And it is good to be here with you today. Um, it really does feel like a resurrection, at least for me. Um, and it's and it's sweet uh, to share it with uh, the family that I love and the place that I grew up and 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 all the new faces, new people who are coming and joining us um, as we journey to uh, to seize what we believe God has for us in uh, Bible grace and family. So welcome. It's it's good for you to, uh, for me to see you here. It's good for you to be here, and it is good to praise a God who is alive. Um, if if you've been with us for a while, you know that we're in a in a series where we've been talking about heaven. It's crazy. It's crazy. We talk about resurrection. We talk about heaven, and and like that's everything. We're hanging everything on this. Okay, no matter what uh, we're experiencing in life, no matter where we're headed, it's ultimately we're hanging on to heaven, we're hanging on to resurrection. How crazy is it that so few of us ever even think about what that means? And, and if we do, we're so influenced by, you know, the culture or whatever, uh, we, we really have just really bizarre and, and, and wrong notions about what eternal life is. And what's crazy is the scriptures are, they're, they're just filled with, with images and, 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 and teaching about what we can expect. And so we've been engaging with that. We found out first uh, that heaven's not, you know, uh, clouds and, and rainbows and harps. It's a real place. It's a real place with a, a city and people doing things. It's not just, you know, bright light or whatever. Uh, the, the second week, we learned that heaven, um, it's a kingdom like any other kingdom where, where there's actually, uh, there, as a heavenly court, there are kings and queens and princes and princesses, and and if you and that's available to, to believers, you can become someone who actually has rewards in heaven. Your experience of heaven can be even better than the experiences of others. Last week, we learned that heaven is going to be a place where where our our fullest satisfaction, our joy, is in self giving, love, and service, and that 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 that. Emptying of ourselves is, is where we'll be filled with divine love, and that'll be our experience in eternity. But today on Resurrection Sunday, I want to ask another question. I want to ask the question what is a resurrection really like? You know, we're, this is it. If, uh, you know, we say if Jesus is not raised, then we're, we're all fools, we're all wasting our time. If Jesus did not come back from the dead, then it's time to leave. Uh, there's better things to do on Sunday morning. And yet, if he did, in fact, raise from the dead, if he did come back, well, what's that like? And what can we expect? Is there something that we can say, this is what resurrection is like. This is what it's like. This is what we can look forward to. Now, when uh, the text that we're going to read, it's from the Gospel of John. It wasn't seeking to answer this question, but... If you'll journey with me as we engage with it, I think we're going to get to see uh, John's idea and, and really what, what Jesus' body is like and how that shows us a little bit of what a resurrection is really like. So uh, join me as we, as we engage the text together. Uh, this takes place a little bit after Jesus' resurrection. Um, so if you're not familiar with the story of the scriptures, Jesus died on, on, on at Calvary, and then three days later was raised from, from the dead. They found an empty tomb, and then people, his followers were getting their minds blown. They couldn't believe that he was back. But one of them, one of them wasn't there for it, and this is his experience. This is his story. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve disciples, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So he missed it. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. 
If you're uh, familiar with the, the crucifixion, we're told that, that Jesus was nailed to the cross and then a Roman, a Roman spear was shoved into his side and Thomas witnessed that. He saw the man die. And so he says, unless I'm able to touch those things, I will not believe. Going on, a week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. And then? Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus performed, this is John giving us kind of an overview, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples. And we hear about some of those elsewhere in the the New Testament. And and those weren't even recorded in this book. But these are written, I, I tell you this stuff, so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. I like Thomas. He's skeptical. I'm skeptical. You know, I, I like to watch those, um, the pen and teller, uh, where they go and they, um, they tell you, they, they discover how the magician does the trick and they, 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 they tell you how it happens. I mean, you see these amazing tricks that magicians do. There's cards flipping around, whatever. And then they're like, oh, no, 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 this is how you did it. And then the magician's like, oh, you figured me out. I like that. I like the idea that, you know, we can, Kind of know what's really going on. And, and Thomas is, is, is similar. If we go back to the text, he's like, look, unless I see the nail marks in his hands, I'm not going to believe. Now, it's not that Thomas doesn't believe in resurrections. Okay, uh, In the ancient world, um, the Jewish people, by and large, believed in resurrections, especially those who followed Jesus. Uh, they believed that there was such a thing as resurrection from the dead. But they knew all about it. They knew what to expect. And it certainly wasn't what had happened to Jesus. Okay? So they believed in resurrections for the most part, but they, they knew what to expect in it, and it wasn't what they were experiencing. And so I, I have some, uh, some pictures here. Um, this is, this is the idea, the Jewish idea of what would happen when the resurrection happened. Basically, the Jews lived in a world where they were oppressed, and their leaders were, were, were bad and corrupt, and, and they had this vision. They knew that one day, God was going to send his Messiah, and his Messiah was going to come, and he was going to set up his kingdom. He was going to rejuvenate the temple and clean it out, and everyone was going to live in this perfect Jerusalem, where Jerusalem was the the, the top of the world, and everybody went there to worship, and Jerusalem ran the show, and the king, the Messiah, was going to be right there. He was going to be at the center of it. And when he did that, when he took over the kingdom, when he made everything right, that's when resurrection was going to happen. Because then all the people who had suffered and died waiting for the kingdom, they would be raised and they would be able to enjoy the full and complete reign of God. That was what people were expecting. We know um, what they were expecting. We have texts from just before uh, Jesus' life where uh, Jewish texts talking about the expectation of resurrection for, for faithful martyrs. There were, uh, we have stories of, of these seven brothers um, in, uh, in, in one of the apocryphal texts uh, we have the, these seven brothers who were tortured to death, and, and, and each one of them was told to recant, stop believing in the God of Israel. And they said, no, no, I refuse. I would rather die because I know that I will see new life. I will be raised when the Messiah comes. 
And so Thomas, the, the, the guys come in, they're like, we saw the Lord. He's like, no, you didn't. Look around, guys. Nothing's changed. Romans is still running the show. The chief priests are still corrupt. We saw the guy tortured to death. You are crazy. You're Looney Tunes. This can't be right. In fact, I refuse to believe unless I see the wounds. And this, too, was part of a Jewish expectation that, that the, the, the wounds um, that, that you had, you, resurrection was sort of like just continuing where you left off, right? So you die, and then you're raised, and you just continue. As, as if, um, nothing had happened. Whatever had happened to you, just, you continue, you start, you're, you're just right where you were. And then you can enjoy life again. That was the expectation. And so Thomas kind of buys into that. <clears throat> as we know, in 70 AD, the temple was destroyed. Uh, this is 70 AD, the temple was destroyed, the Romans sacked the temple. And as a result, a Jewish expectation has been, I guess, disappointed. You know, the, the Thomases of the day are like, well, we can't have a temple. We can't have Jerusalem. It's all been sacked. It's up. There, there's no hope. In fact, Orthodox Jews to this day still wait um, the, the rebuilding of the temple and then the coming of the Messiah. But if we're, we're kind of following the way that Thomas is thinking, right, there, there's, there's an issue here. Uh, he knows that Jesus didn't do what Jesus is supposed to do, and yet, some people are telling that Jesus is alive. So let's uh, go back to the text for a second. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them. See, remember, what Thomas is expecting for resurrection is, is like, oh, you know, you just get back up and go back to what you were doing. He does not expect magical appearances. He does not expect that when doors are locked, that people can just appear. Uh, some would say that maybe Jesus walked through the walls. I don't know. Clearly something's going on wacky with his body here. It's not the kind of body that we're used to because it, it doesn't seem to be uh, controlled by space and time and distance and physics the way that, that we think about physics. A couple weeks ago, I was talking to Dennis and we were talking about um, how the resurrection is going to have a new physics. It's a physics that not, we're not familiar with because things like this can happen. When Jesus is manifest in his resurrected body, he can appear among you. His body, his resurrection body, is it's human, but it's different. That's the first thing in your note sheets. The resurrection body is human but different. It's suitable for the age to come. That This heaven that we've been talking about, a real place but different, uh, that's the kind of body Jesus has now. And it can appear here, it can be here, but it's, it's weird. It does weird stuff. We go back to the text. I love this. He, so he, he, he shows up, and then he says to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Some of you uh, know that I, I like the video games. The kids, they think that's cool. The adults think I'm not an adult. That's fine. Um, one of the things I like nowadays in the video games, the, the graphics are amazing. And one of the things that you can do in a lot of the games is uh, you can have an avatar. All right? An avatar is uh, it's a character that you create, and, and they have these fantastic options. You can make this character look like whatever you want. Right? So naturally, when I have an avatar, I make it look like my wife. And I call her Air Bear. And so I adventure in the land of Fallout or whatever, Skyrim, with Air Bear, the, the, the character. And one of the things is, I mean, Aaron's already flaw- physically flawless. 
so I don't have a whole lot to do. But I make her hair like a little bit longer if it's short. You know, I kind of just what I, I it's not exactly her. In fact, I kind of you know juice it a little bit. You know, make the eyes a little more blue. You know, sometimes. Occasionally, I make an avatar of myself. The first thing I do is I cut off my belly. Um, I, Stav gave me a haircut this week, so I'm looking good. But if I don't have a haircut, it's, and I, I make sure that my hair looks real good on that. Basically, I take all the stuff that's wrong with me and I fix it. And I make an ideal version of myself. Isn't that kind of what you would do, right? Now imagine, imagine the resurrection of the dead. This is heaven, this is eternity, okay? Eternity, and you have an option. You have the option to, to be, I guess, whatever you want. Well, Jesus, Jesus, he enters into eternity, what? With, with these marks. Jesus doesn't, um, he doesn't just cover over those. He doesn't, uh, those aren't covered over, they're not, they're, they're exposed, they're real. They're so real that you can, you know, touch them, you can put your hands in them, you can feel them. He doesn't, he doesn't go through cosmetic surgery in the afterlife and like, and, and make himself the way that he wants to be. Instead, he's, he's the, the very same person that was murdered a couple weeks ago. And not just murdered, tortured to death a couple weeks ago. There are some people here who, um, well, You've been through it. I know some people who've been through it. Uh, I know people who, um, I have some friends who've been in uh, Iraq and Afghanistan who came back uh, horribly changed. Um, I have friends uh, who have been through extraordinarily debilitating illnesses uh, that, you know, hell on earth type of illnesses. It's interesting when, uh, if you get through those things, right, uh, the natural human reaction is to be like, ignore it. I don't know. Just, you know, pretend it didn't happen, right? Just move on, right? Okay, you, it was awful. Let's just blank that from our minds and let's move forward. In my experience, every single time that happens, disaster follows, because the wounds and the scars and the, the, the damage that's done in this world, it has effects on us. It, it, we, we carry it, whether we want to or not, whether we think we need to or not. It's with us, and it can have incredible impact on us. Isn't it interesting that when Jesus comes in his glorified body, he carries with him his past. He's reminded for eternity we are as well. What happened? That he died. And it wasn't, you know, we're all looking for like the, the aneurysm where you just, and you're done. It wasn't that. It was rough. It was torture. How strange that he keeps that with him. And yet, something's different. It's not as though he's just sitting there and, and, and he's just miserable. He doesn't sound like he's miserable at all. It sounds like he's, he's very happy. He's, he, things are good. And, and how is that possible? I know. I know what happens with, with serious trauma. We know what happens with serious trauma. We know that it damages and, 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 and hurts. And yet, somehow, in the glorified body, in the resurrection of the dead, where we carry our past, but it's, it's not, it doesn't damage anymore. It's, it's somehow redeemed. This is the next thing in your note sheets, and, and we'll talk more about it. In a second, resurrection does not erase the past, but redeems it. 
Jesus has, has, has come through the crucible, as it were. And yet, he's not erasing that crucible. That crucible is with him for eternity, but it's somehow made right. And I think um, we get a, a little clue in the text of, of, of how that happened and what that's like and, and really what it means for us as we desire a first taste of forever. Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Uh, this translation adds a little exclamation point there. There were no exclamation points in ancient Greek. Uh, presumably because the translators think that uh, what's going on is he like appears, right? And everyone's like, ah! <laughs> and he's like, oh, it's okay. That's, I think that's what they're trying to communicate with that exclamation point. I don't think that's right. There's plenty of times when Jesus scares people in the New Testament. Every time he does, what does he say? He says the same thing. He says, do not be afraid. He says it all the time. Anytime Jesus scares somebody, he says, do not be afraid. I don't think he's scaring the disciples. I think, I think that he, he's there and, 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 and they're looking at him and, and presumably they see his, his, his damaged and yet somehow glorified body. And, and, and his word to them is shalom. Peace be with you. I like that word. I like to talk about shalom. Shalom is that um, sense that all is right, all is well. That life is robust. It's complete. It's full. It, it, it's not damaged anymore. It's not uh, destroyed. We have hope to look forward to. It's that, that sense of wholeness and satisfaction and joy. And Jesus, who two weeks ago, approximately, was being murdered, when he appears with his wounds intact, says, Shalom. The English equivalent would be something like, it's going to be okay. I've been through it. I know. One of my uh, favorite, um, is, it, is Julian next? Yeah. One of my favorite, um, I don't do a lot of reading of weird English, uh, medieval mystics, but one of my favorite is uh, Julian of Norwich, who, according to this artist, owned a cat. Okay. I don't know if that's true or not, but Julian of Norwich uh, is, was cool. She, um, she I, I believe, we don't know a whole lot about her, but I believe that she was a normal person like, like you or me, like a faithful uh, believer, if you're a believer, just a normal Christian walking around. What happened to Julian is she got tremendously ill. She um, was at death's door for a very long period of time. And uh, in fact, several times she um, felt like she was dying when she was losing consciousness. What, what happened to her while, while uh, this was going on is that she began experiencing these visions of, um, of the divine. Um, and they were very strange uh, and, and they were unruly and they were wild. And she didn't know what to make, with, make of them at the time. But uh, as she, she came out of the illness and, 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 and made it through, the first thing that she did is she wrote down everything she could remember while she was in delirium um, and, and, and said, I believe these are you know, visions from God. I, I'm not saying that anytime you have a fever, whatever, you, my dad sees aliens when he has a fever. That I don't believe is a vision from God. Uh, so don't trust your fever dreams too much. 
In her case, uh, I, I could be convinced. One of the uh, interesting things, though, is that uh, she, she writes it down, and then she, she goes into the convent and becomes like a nun just so she can contemplate and respond to and try to make sense of this traumatic experience that she's had, where she was, she's died like two times. Uh, you know, they performed in the, in the day, they performed last rites on her. She was expecting to go into glory, and then she came out of it. And so over the next um, 10 to 15 years, she's, she's like silent, contemplative, reflecting on what has happened to her, reflecting on what she saw, reflecting on all of the different images and visions that came to her, trying to come to terms with the human experience of going through the crucible and presumably having revelation from God in the midst of it. And when she comes out of this phase, she writes once again, almost like a commentary of sorts on her, on her visions. And near the end of it, she's sort of summing up what she's learned. And it's, it's that. It's all shall be well, and all shall be well, and all manner of things shall be well. Which is the medieval English way of saying, peace be with you. I think, um, and this is of course speculative, and I don't want to, you know, we're not going to hang our faith on it. We hang our faith on the resurrection, but, but I, 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 I suspect that the first taste of forever is actually something that, that people here now can, can have experienced and can experience. And it's, it's that moment where you've gone through the crucible, the trials of life, and you've been ground into the dirt in the darkness. And you've come out the other side, and you've had enough time and space and, and, and ability, to, uh, grace, really, from the Spirit to, to, to heal through that and to recognize that despite how messed up the universe is, how fraught with damage and, and sin and, and, and blackness it is that you can literally sit there and say, I know all will be well. Peace, shalom be with you. I have been raised from the dead too. When Jesus uh, appears, he, he's, he's seen it all. I mean, he really has seen it all. He's seen death. He's seen, we're not sure exactly, possibly hell. He's seen uh, the prison. He's seen everything. He has, he has absorbed into himself the worst that the world can throw at him. He has, he has expired. He has been to a place where he says, Eli, Eli, Sabachthani, my God, my God, why are you forsaking me? Why are you leaving me, abandoning me? This is the son of God who for his entire life has experienced the father as close as anyone possibly could. And at the moment of his death, he's experienced or feeling abandonment from, from, from God in, in the worst possible way. And that is, that is who we're talking about. He has been through trauma. He has been through the crucible. He has been through death. He comes out on the other side. He bears the wounds that he had. And then he, the first thing that he says to people is peace. It's going to be well. I'm almost 37. When I say, hey, you know, I do a hospital visit holding someone's hand, be like, it's going to be okay. And the person's like, what do you know about anything? Like, well, 
Never mind. It actually might be terrible. I have no idea. I'm not a doctor. <laughs> okay. I, uh, he said, yeah, no, okay. Uh, I'm not, a, I'm not a, the kind of doctor that can help people. So, um, I, I, don't have the, um, I don't have the credibility to uh, tell you all will be well. I've not gone through, I mean, I've been through some things, but I've not gone through the crucible the way that Julian did, the way that Jesus the Messiah did. I have not tasted death. I have not seen the darkness like that and come out the other side. But that moment, that experience, I believe, is the first taste of forever. That resurrection, what it feels like to be raised from the dead, is to be able to absorb all of the past, all of the, the brokenness and sin, the damage that the world has, has, has heaped on us, that we have created through our own uh, sin and, 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 and evil. To be able to, to look at all of those scars and, and to see all, the, all of the pain and to be able to say, it is well. It is well with my soul. Shalom. All is well. There are, um, we'll just, uh, the, the, that's the next thing in your note sheets. Uh, our first taste of forever is the sure knowledge that all will be well. That moment. The moment when you can really say it for real because you've seen it, you've experienced it, you know what it feels like to come back from the dead. There are a few people here who've experienced that. Uh, there are some uh, who are here today who really have uh, been through it, who've gone through the dark places and have come out the other side and are certain beyond any shadow of a doubt that it will be well because you've experienced that. Somehow in the midst of it, you experienced Christ's resurrection power. You did come back. The king, the resurrected king did resurrect you. And so you know, and, and you, when you say it to others, when you say it will be well, your words have weight. You're telling the truth. You're testifying in the same way that John is testifying in the gospel. There are some here who, are, <laughs> who went through the crucible and, uh, and it was like, where are you, God? You, 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 were, you were in the dark times and it felt like you were abandoned um, and, and you got through it and you're sort of like, well, that was awful. Moving right along. I think um, if, if that's you, if, if, if that's you, I think that, that Jesus' words to, to Thomas are the same, are his words to you. Stop doubting and believe. I carried you through. I, you may not have felt it. You may not have experienced it. You may not know, but I did. And not only that, I came back from something worse than you came back from. And I am guaranteeing you, full stop, this is not the end. You will not be overcome. I will not allow it. For those of you who've been through the crucible and maybe you haven't even dealt with it yet, trust Jesus. Start there. Start with, I'm willing, Lord, to, to start opening up some of these wounds, some of these experiences, uh, to try and figure out how to process through them with you. Uh, I'm willing. If you can take that step of trust and faith in him, I guarantee you, I guarantee you, you will be putting, you'll be protecting yourself from terrible things uh, that, that might be happening because uh, you're not dealing with what's going on. But, but also, you can have that, the possibility, the experience, the first taste of forever. You can have in your life, now, or very soon, that sense that all will be well and to know it's true.
The resurrected king can resurrect you, but you have to trust him. There are some here who are actually in the crucible right now. I've done this before. I've gone to church on Easter, and everyone's like, praise the Lord. And you're like, nah, not today. Maybe you believe uh, that at some point things might get better, but um, right now you're pretty sure they're not. And we talk about a resurrected king, and you're sitting there going, I could use a little resurrection. To you, Jesus says the same thing he said to Thomas. Stop doubting and believe. You see, here's the thing. You may think that it's impossible, that you can't get through it, that, that it, but here's the deal. Jesus died. He was murdered. And he came back. So when he says, I can take you through this, he's not lying. He's the one who really can do it. It may not look the way that you think it's supposed to look. It may not follow the plan that you want it to follow. But if you stop doubting and believe the life that he has can be your life. And you can get through. You can sail through the crucible. You can come out the other side with a sense and a knowledge that all is well and all will be well for all time. But you must stop doubting and believe. We sent uh, a lot of the youngsters, the, the teens and, and, and so on, out to, there's a resurrection egg hunt after the service. I've never seen this happen because I'm usually here, and by the time I get out there, it's over. But apparently it's great. Uh, so if you have kids, you should get them sugared up. Uh, but if the, there, there's, there's, there are some here, especially the young, who tend to be the people who haven't ever gone through it. Especially if you're in like a, you know, a family that's, that's loving and kind and all that. You, you, you have no idea what, uh, is, what the, the crucible looks like. If that's you, if you've never been through the crucible, you can honestly say, you know what, I've had a pretty good run. I feel pretty good about things. Uh, your, your calling right now is to A, listen to those who have. Because their words matter. And B, get ready. Because it's coming. No one gets out of this thing alive unless the Lord returns and, and, and we get caught up in the air. But other than that, you will go through it. And when that happens, when that happens, your temptation will be to fall into despair. It will be to give up. Your temptation will be to say, Eli, Eli, Sabachthani, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And never take the next step and say, Shalom, it will be well. Your temptation will be to give up. And in those moments, walk with those who've seen the fire. Come, talk to them, ask them. This community is, is filled with people who've seen the darkness and have come out through the other side. Be with them, talk to them. They will hold your hand and walk through this with you. They will not let you go through it alone. And when you have, you too will be able to say, Shalom, peace be with you. All will be well. Let's go back to the text. 
There's probably some people here who, uh, I don't know, church once a year, head up on e- or twice a year, Christmas and Easter. Not sure you really believe in any of this stuff. I mean, come on, it's a little bit crazy. You know, I, I get you, I'm with you. Remember, skeptic. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here, see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. That's not normal. Very few people, when confronted with another person, say, My Lord and my God. Especially not Jews. And yet, when Thomas is confronted with the one who has seen death and has come through the other side, he recognizes something's different about this guy. He is the king. He is the God of gods, the creator of heaven and earth. He is the one who saves. I've been walking with him for years now, and I did not know, but now I see. And then John continues and says this. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. If you're not quite sure about this whole Jesus thing, about this eternal life thing, John says, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But I wrote these down so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Are you dead? And do you need to to rise again? Then stop doubting and believe. If you think it's nuts that, that, that some person came back from the dead, come talk to me, and I will tell you why I believe it. If you think that the world is a meaningless, hopeless place, stop doubting and believe. If you think that you can find some other f- philosophy or, or way of going about things that's going to create meaning and sustain you through, stop doubting and believe because you're wrong. It will not work because the creator of heaven and earth has come in the person of Jesus Christ. He went through death. He rose again. He says all shall be well. All will be well. And no other way is there to get life. Stop doubting and believe. And if that's hard for you, it's been hard for me too. Talk to me. So that's what a resurrection is really like. That's what every single person here who believes, who has eternal life, this is what you will experience. You will wake one day and you will know, beyond the shadow of a doubt, that all, all will be well. Let's pray. Gracious God and Father, we thank you for the resurrection of Jesus. We thank you that one man came back, that one man went through the crucible of death and came back changed and yet the same who came back with a message that all will be well. That death is defeated. That sin does not win. That you win. That hope wins. That love wins. That life wins. Father, I pray that every person here, whether they've trusted you before and are struggling now, whether they're in the midst of the crucible, whether they've gone through the crucible, whether they're getting ready for the crucible, God, I pray that every person here will stop doubting and believe. And that you will carry us through as a community.
and take us to the other side where we too can confess with Christ, shalom, peace be with you. All this we ask and praise of Jesus. In his name, amen.